0: Alright, so welcome to the first episode of the Burning Bush podcast, sharing scripture over cigars. Um, just a couple of things. I am recording outside. There are dogs around, so hopefully it won't be too much of a distraction. But I uh, hope, hope you've all uh, had a chance to listen to the intro episode to uh, see what the show is all about. So if you haven't, go back and listen to that and uh, get an idea of what we're doing here. So, just to get started, uh, let you know what cigar I'm smoking tonight. And uh, this being a Friday night when I'm recording this, I'm smoking uh, one of my favorite cigars of all time. And I always have one on Friday evenings. And that is the Arturo Fuente Don Carlos. I'm smoking the Presidente, which is a a 6.5 by 50. And uh, let's give you the Details of the cigar from the Arturo Fuente website says it's a rich African Cameroon wrapper over vintage Dominican filler, gives way to flavors both complex and refined. The slightly sweet flavor produced by the select African Cameroon wrapper is in perfect balance with the savory aroma. Flawless construction, a hallmark of Tabacalera A, A Fuente, ensures an even burn and smooth draw Unquestionably among the world's most elite cigars. And I would agree with that 100%. Mm. It's a really good cigar. And like I said, I smoke one every Friday evening to kick the, kick the weekend off with one of my favorites. So what I want to do uh, in this first episode is to uh, kind of do a little bit of uh, cigar apologetics if you will and I'm going to read I found this blog online from a, a website called Doctrine and Devotion and uh, these guys are cigar smokers and Bible teachers and I, I came across their their blog about uh, you know, smoking and the Christians it's called Christians and Cigars and uh, I'll put a link to their website in the show notes but I just want to read I'm not going to read the entire Uh, blog post, but a good chunk of it. I'll leave the link in in the show notes and you can read the whole thing. So here's their blog post called Christians and Cigars. I'm not writing because this is a burden on my heart, nor am I writing because I think others should smoke. This is simply the answer to many of the questions I get from others. Why do you smoke cigars? This question feels like someone asking me why I watch TV or enjoy combat sports. The honest answer is, I like it. I don't smoke cigars because it's cool. I don't, I don't smoke to make a point. It's not to demonstrate my freedom in Christ. It's not about being missional. It's not about identifying with the great C.H. Spurgeon, though I will be talking about him later. I smoke cigars because I find it to be a pleasant experience. The ritual, aroma, and flavors are a delight. Smoking a cigar slows a person down, gives them time to think, meditate, and enjoy one of God's many earthly gifts. Cigar smoking is also a wonderful shared experience that promotes conversation and friendship. But to keep it simple, I smoke because I like it. Of course, enjoying something doesn't justify its use, so I will attempt to answer the common questions I get about smoking. Isn't smoking bad for you? When most people ask, isn't smoking bad for you, they're often implying that the potential danger of smoking makes it inappropriate, if not sinful. So let's broaden our scope and consider an even greater health risk, poor diet. Far more people will die this year from poor diet and related problems than from smoking in all its forms. In fact, obesity is now beating cigarettes as the greater health risk today. We take health risks when we eat hot dogs, microwave popcorn, and GMOs, fried chicken, fettuccine alfredo, soda and all things fast food are bad for you and the associated health risks abound. These risks though even greater than smoking are seen as acceptable. Risk. Really we are dealing with risk. Is risk wrong? Skydiving is potentially deadly. Spelunking and mountain climbing are also very risky. Should the Christian refrain from such activities knowing the possibility of life abruptly coming to an end while enjoying such activities? And it's not just recreation and athletics that bring risk. Some vocations are very dangerous. Commercial fishermen, loggers, aircraft pilots, and steelworkers take greater risks than even firefighters when they clock in. How should a Christian evaluate the risks involved in their jobs? I don't have all the answers here, but let me say two things. One risk is not itself sinful. Folly is wrong. Risk is not. Risk must be weighed responsibly and managed carefully. In vocation and recreation, this means practice, preparedness, and training. With diet and smoking, it means self-control and moderation. Donuts are bad for me. I would like to eat donuts every day. I sometimes wonder if there will be donuts in the new heavens and earth, and then how many will I be able to eat? But knowing the health risks in this life, I choose to eat my doughnuts only occasionally. I am not crazy enough to give up such an earthly delight. I know the risks and I believe the enjoyment of a cigar is worth the risk. So I choose not to inhale and smoke in moderation. We should take our health seriously. The bodies we have are given to us by our maker. He wants us to use them faithfully and fruitfully, enjoying his creation with thoughtfulness and care. Some of what we enjoy is risky, and we should pursue wisdom in the risks we take. Your body is a temple. Many good and godly pastors, some very well known, have weighed in on the subject of smoking and concluded that it is a sin. I have argued that a health risk does not equal sin. Here I would like to address the passage of scripture most commonly used against smoking, 1 Corinthians 6.19. Here it is in context. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body." 1 Corinthians 6.19 The common argument is that since Christians' body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, we must refrain from defiling the temple with smoking. There are a few immediate problems with this argument. One, it begs the question whether or not smoking is a sin. It assumes smoking is wrong and that it necessarily defiles what has been set apart for God. 2. The context shows us that Paul is not dealing with health or cleanliness issues, but sexual immorality. As he often does, Paul is calling the church to a life of purity. See 1 Timothy 4.12 and 5.2. As motivation to maintain purity, he reminds us that we, as believers, are the dwelling place of God. The Holy Spirit takes up residency in each believer, making each of us a kind of temple. The temple is a sacred place set apart for God. Its purpose is the glory and enjoyment of God. Many in the city of Corinth were arguing that the body is made for sex, so Christians ought to get to it. Have your fill. Do not deny what your body was made for, was the sentiment. The Apostle Paul rebukes the notion, the body is not meant for sexual immorality. Sex has a God-given place in life, but in the joyful safety of marriage. Your body is where the Holy Spirit resides in a special way. To use your body for sexual immorality desecrates the temple. The issue here is fornication and adultery. To try and apply this to smoking cigars is a square peg in a round hole hermeneutic. It is eisegesis, and it actually downplays Paul's real point about the heinous nature of sexual immorality. It is a distraction from the real danger of sin and temptation. If we want to play the silly eisegesis game, then I'll start pointing out how God came down on Mount Sinai in smoke, that he delights in the smoke of sacrifices offered in faith, and how there was always smoke of the incense in the temple. When Isaiah saw the Lord in the temple, the place was filled with smoke Isaiah six. In Revelation 15.8, the glory of the Lord pours forth in smoke. God loves a smoky dwelling place. Of course, all this is nonsense. The point is we have to let scripture speak on its own terms and we must understand each passage in its own context. Smoking a cigar cannot defile the temple. It neither makes us unclean nor offends God. Confusing Smoking and Sin If you are familiar with the 19th century London pastor Charles Haddon Spurgeon, you may know he was a gifted preacher a sharp theologian, an earnest evangelist, and even started a pastor's college for those entering ministry. You may also know the man was fond of cigars. He was well known as a cigar smoker and was occasionally challenged over it. His responses were typically simple, humorous, and biblical. On one occasion, controversy resulted. Spurgeon and another well-known contemporary of his, G.F. Pentecost, sharing the pulpit at the Metropolitan Tabernacle. Spurgeon preached against the danger of sin, and Pentecost was invited to make the application. During his time, Pentecost preached vehemently against smoking tobacco, and cigars in particular. After he concluded, Spurgeon stood before the congregation and said, Well, dear friends, you know that some men can do to the glory of God what to other men would be sin. And notwithstanding, what Brother Pentecost has said I intend to smoke a good cigar to the glory of God before I go to bed tonight. If anybody can show me in the Bible a command, Thou shalt not smoke, I am ready to keep it, but I haven't found it yet. I find ten commandments, and it's as much as I can do to keep them, and I have no desire to make them into eleven or twelve. The fact is, I have been speaking to you about real sins, not about listening to mere quibbles and scruples. At the same time, I know that what a man believes to be sin becomes a sin to him, and he must give it up. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin Romans fourteen twenty three, And that is the real point of what my brother Pentecost has been saying. Why, a man may think it is a sin to have his boots blacked. Well then, let him give it up, and have them whitewashed. I wish to say that I am not ashamed of anything whatever that I do, and I don't feel that smoking makes me ashamed and therefore I mean to smoke to the glory of God." The newspapers were happy to jump on the apparent conflict of ideas and reported the details of the evening. What troubled some, in particular, were Spurgeon's remarks that he intended to, quote unquote, smoke a good cigar to the glory of God. This became the talk of London. Spurgeon was blessed to live before the age of social media, but the controversy led him to write a letter to the Daily Telegraph to explain himself. In that letter, Spurgeon wrote, There is growing up in society a Pharisaic system which adds to the commands of God the precepts of of men. To that system I will not yield for an hour. The preservation of my liberty may bring upon me the upbraidings of many good men and the sneers of the self-righteous. But I shall endure both with serenity, so long as I feel clear in my conscience before God. Identifying Real Sin In all of this controversy, Spurgeon's problem is my problem, and it should be every Christian's problem. We can only call sin what God calls sin. As Christians, we take the Word of God very seriously. It is not just a sacred book, but the very Word of God, fully inspired, inerrant, and our only infallible rule of faith and practice. As A. A. Hodge says in his classic Outlines of Theology, Whatever God teaches or commands is of sovereign authority. Whatever conveys us to an infallible knowledge of His teachings and commands is an infallible rule. The scriptures of the Old and New Testaments are the only organs through which, during the present dispensation, God conveys to us a knowledge of His will about what we are to believe concerning Himself, and what duties He requires of us. So when it comes to understanding righteousness and unrighteousness, the way of God and the way of sin, we must let the Word of God speak. We confess that the law is good and that sin is a terrible evil. What is sin? Confessional standards like the Westminster Shorter Catechism and the Baptist Catechism that say that sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God 1 John 3, 4. This means to call something sin, we must find a prohibition against it or the command of its opposite in Scripture. Nowhere does Scripture indicate the smoking itself is sinful, nor even that unhealthy habits themselves are sinful, yet this doesn't completely settle the matter. Cigar smoking can be sinful if not done in faith. As Spurgeon said, What one cannot do in faith is sin. Romans 14.23 If one's conscience forbids something, he or she should generally refrain from it. See 1 Corinthians 10 and check out R.C. Sproul's Ethics and the Conscience. So for some, smoking could be a sinful practice. But for those who can enjoy a good cigar with a clear conscience, it is a good thing. Cigar smoking can be sinful if one is mastered by it. Addiction is the troublesome loss of self-control, and sin is always involved. We should only have one master, and everything else in our lives must serve our service to Him. If you are ruled by food, work, recreation, or cigars, repentance is needed. These are good things that can be turned into idols. Self-control is the mark of the Spirit-led disciple. Many have claimed Spurgeon eventually quit smoking. All the historical evidence suggests the opposite. He continued smoking cigars throughout his life. However, he could and did lay cigars aside for extended periods of time. Cigar smoking can be sinful if one smokes to frustrate others. I have never met this person, though some seem to think this is what drives many young Christians to smoke. It is believed they light up to blind others with their liberty, and use their freedom to bind others. So let's just say that if one smokes to needlessly provoke others, it is sin. Yet, like Spurgeon, I will smoke a cigar tonight to the glory of God. What does that really mean? It means that in whatever lawful thing we do as God's people, we do with a clear conscience, with thankful and joyful hearts to God for His good gifts. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10:31. And that is the blog post from doctrineanddevotion.com which I'll link up in the show notes below. Some good thoughts. Um like I said there were a couple things in in there that you know I left out a few things in there. Um but for the most part, that's that's the entire post. But uh, you can read it for yourselves, and uh, let me know if you have any thoughts on it. And uh, with that, uh, that'll do it for episode one of uh, The Burning Bush. So thanks for joining me, and uh, hope to talk to you soon. God bless.